What does filmed for IMAX mean? It isn't just a movie that'll look great on IMAX's screens. It means that hiding from a sandstorm feels like fear in every flicker. And every triumph is felt in every sound wave. And the things we've only imagined, you can truly experience those too. That's what filmed for IMAX means. Get tickets to experience Dune Part 2 now and IMAX's exclusive expanded aspect ratio. This episode is brought to you by ABC. Station 19 is back for its final and hottest season yet. Andy finally becomes captain, and she's going to give it her all to be the best leader this station has ever seen. Will she succeed? Get ready for fiery new romances and high adrenaline rescues. Watch the Station 19 season premiere tonight at a new time, 10, 9 central on ABC and stream on Hulu. It's time. Time to escape from the real world and transport ourselves to the fantasy world. Hi everyone, welcome to K-Dreaming. My name is Mel and you may know me as one of the co-hosts of the podcast, Asian Boss Girl. Through that podcast, you might recognize me as someone who's a fan of pop culture and media, but if you really know me, you know I'm a huge fan of Korean dramas and K-pop. Anytime I meet someone that shares that same intense love for K-dramas or has that same bias as me from God 7 it's a special bond we form. For K-Dreaming, my hope is to extend that connection now and allow people to float away into this fantasy land. It's K-Dreaming time. Alright, so one of the first and biggest questions I get asked by people is, how did you get into K-dramas? Well, I had to go all the way back to the 2000s, the early 2000s. To give you all some context, I am Taiwanese American. So my first taste of dramas was actually Taiwanese dramas. And I would even watch old fashioned soap operas with my grandparents back in Taiwan, like dramas that only spoke Taiwanese in like the countryside. Uh, Dramas also took place in the countryside. So back in the day, I was very exposed to, you know, this Asian soap opera world. But there's one drama that really stood out to me, and that was in 2001. It was called Meteor Garden with the OG F4s, or F's in Mandarin. And I wanted to give you a little bit of history. So back then, in the early 2000s, um, Singapore, South Korea, Taiwan, and Hong Kong were known as the Four Asian Tigers. So pretty much during the 1960s and 1990s, these four you know, East Asian countries really influenced culture and media back then. And I remember uh, my uncle used to like watch all these like Cantonese police dramas. And you know, the success of the Hong Kong entertainment industry and its TV drama programming served as a major influence for television entertainment programming in the other rapidly industrializing Asian nations, most notably Taiwan and South Korea. So back then, yes, my first love was Taiwanese dramas. And I just found this information to be really interesting, you know, how history does play a role in the boom of dramas. I will get to the K-drama part really soon. So again, yes, I watched a lot of Taiwanese dramas. And being exposed to it, I kind of stumbled upon other ones as well. So this is when my relationship or connection with K-dramas really began. It was in 2004, when I was around 14. I stumbled upon this amazing drama called Full House. And this is my first ever Korean drama, and it changed my life, honestly. It starred Song Hye Kyo and Rain, 
And I honestly, I'm not sure which one of my friends introduced me, but probably someone that also watched Taiwanese dramas was like, hey, you gotta watch these Korean dramas. It's so good. And Full House was known as one of the pioneers of romantic comedy. And I just absolutely fell in love with it. And a little side comment, Full House is actually how I got into K-pop as well because I got obsessed with Rain. Rain, wow, OG man, he is so great. And so I thought I'd give you a little bit of synopsis of what Full House is for those who have not watched it, which again, I will highly recommend this drama. So Full House is about this girl, her name is Han Ji-yoon, that is played by Song Hye-kyo. She's an aspiring scriptwriter and lives in a house called Full House, built by her late father. One day, her two best friends trick her into believing that she has won a free vacation. Um, while she's away, they sell her house. Like, what kind of friends are those? And on the plane, she meets a really famous actor named Lee Young-jae, which is played by Rain. Through a stream of comedic events, they get acquainted during her vacation, and when she returns, she discovers that her house has been sold to him. And at first, they do not get along with each other due to their contrasting habits, but they agree to live with each other. Just imagine that dynamic already. And at first, Jiyoon works as his maid in order to buy back her house. However, later they enter into a contract marriage as Young Jae wants to make his crush, this like fashion stylist Kang Hae Won, jealous. And complications arise as Jiyoon and Young Jae become attracted to each other. Yeah, like that story already is just like a recipe for just a lot of feelings. And I remember feeling so many ways watching this drama. My first reactions, honestly, was that I remember thinking like the actress Song Hye-kyo was absolutely gorgeous. If you guys look her up now, I think she's probably one of the legendary actresses and she is stunning. Like I cannot believe someone looks like her. Um, she was so cute in the drama as well. And I remember thinking another thing when watching Full House is that they actually kissed. Like if you guys watch kissing scenes from like the earlier dramas, and for me, I'm talking about Taiwanese dramas, the kissing scenes were really weak. Like it was very like a, I'm gonna leave my lips here and you're gonna come to my lips and we're not gonna pucker. And I always felt so awkward watching those kissing scenes. But in Full House, they just know how to kiss. And it was like legit. So I was blown away by the kissing scenes. I hope I'm not giving away too much already, but I was like, wow, they actually know what they're doing. And honestly, this may be one of the first Korean dramas that had the whole, uh, you know, quote unquote, contract love type of scenario or storyline that we see a lot in today's current day dramas like, you know, Business Proposal, which we have been watching on Netflix. So those are like my first initial reactions. For those of you that also have watched Full House, there's also some key moments that I do want to touch on. And these aren't spoilers. They're just a little like cute little scenes that I always remember even now, like almost 10 years later. There's like iconic scene where Song Hye Kyo's character is singing the Three Bear song, which is a pretty, um, very cute, kind of like a children, uh, children song. And it's really adorable. I think it has like a lot, of, maybe a million views on YouTube. There's a clip of it. So she's singing that song. And honestly, maybe because I'm a foodie, but there's also a scene when Rain's character is just so hungry and he just opens up the fridge and starts pouring all the things he can find into this big silver bowl and just starts making bibimbap. And I remember thinking, because back in the day, I didn't, I was only exposed to Korean food and, and I was thinking like, wow, whatever he's making looks freaking tasty and amazing. So there's some key moments I remember from Full House. Again, I don't want to say too much about it because I don't want to reveal the story or like what plays out, but... Again, I feel like if you are into older Korean dramas or just want to watch a solid K-drama and see like a, like a legendary pioneer drama, I'd highly recommend watching Full House. 
their soundtrack is also really sweet too. Like whenever I hear, you know, when you watch dramas and it means so much to you, and you hear that one song that hits, just like the first chorus, your mar- your heart just is like, oh my god, I feel everything I felt when watching this drama. Full House soundtrack has that effect. So I really hope you guys watch Full House and then you can understand why. Like it really has turned people into K drama lovers, like myself. And it brings up so many memories because this is just such an older drama too. But yeah, to answer the question of what drama got me into Korean dramas, it is Full House. Again, highly recommend it. Please let me know your thoughts of Full House. I hope you guys still have the same like positive sentiments that I do. I don't know about you, but it feels like a lot of my friends are now getting on that baby train. If you have a friend who is also expecting or have little ones still in diapers, I always recommend Pampers Swaddlers. With Pampers Swaddlers, you can also rest assured that this diaper will prevent up to 100% of leaks, even blowouts. Swaddlers has dual leak guard barriers at the legs to help protect where leaks happen most. And they have a blowout barrier, which is an innovative back pocket built into the diaper to help prevent those messy leaks up the back. Did you know that on average, babies will use up to 8,000 plus diapers before becoming potty trained? That is a lot. That's why Pampers Diaper Stash is the hottest baby gift for 2024. So give a gift to a loved one that says, we see you and we've got you. Pampers Diaper Stash is an online diaper fund that all parents with little ones will love. You can organize friends and family to contribute to a group gift of an online stockpile that never has to run out. Pampers Diaper Stash is great because it takes the guesswork out of choosing what size and how many diapers to gift. It's so easy to do, and it's the gift that always fits. Tonight, only on Disney+. Plus. My name is Taylor. Welcome to the Eras Tour. Experience Taylor Swift's record-breaking Eras Tour. Swift, the Eras Tour, Taylor's version, with four additional acoustic songs. Streaming tonight, only on Disney+. Plus. To be honest, like, after Full House, I didn't go on this, like, I watch a lot of dramas, but I kind of fell in and out of it. Like, there were some dramas that maybe, like, brought me back, you know, for a small period, and then I kind of got back out of it, which is unfortunate, to be honest. But there's three other dramas that have brought me back for certain periods. And I wonder if this also has brought you back to the Korean drama watching space. I had to watch Boys Over Flowers because it is a remake of Meteor Garden, which is one of my first Taiwanese dramas I watched. Boys Over Flowers, we all know Gun Jun Pyo's, like, curly permed hair. I'm pretty sure after that drama, my cousin got his hair permed too. So it was it set a trend. One that I watch all the time still because I just love it is Goblin. Is it Tokebi? Is that how you say it? And this is a drama where I was like, wow, hello, Gong Yu. Didn't know you existed. But now I forever will appreciate that you do. Wow. I just love that drama. It was a little dark. It was great. So Goblin is another one that brought me back. Another one that I always like recommend to, to friends is Fight For My Way. And this is how I got introduced to my current longtime crush, Park Sojun. Fight For My Way is just so cute. I feel like if you're looking for a drama that's not too heavy, that is kind of light, that is sweet, and he's shirtless, Fight For My Way, highly recommend. I think most of these dramas you could watch on Vicky, which of course I have a subscription to. So I guess the question now is, where am I at now with K-dramas? 
You know, I definitely now have a long-term relationship with it. But how did I get to this relationship with K-dramas? Because back in the day, I felt like I was in this long relationship. And then I took a break. And I got back for a little bit. It was like on and off. And now I'm officially back on. You know, you know, we all know those type of relationships. Well, you know, with the pandemic, I saw the surge of K-drama watchers. And based on recommendations, you know, I kind of watched Kingdom, which is very different than the type of genres I do like because I love romantic comedies. But it really made me appreciate, like, the quality of cinema that has progressed in South Korea. And, of course, I watched 81 Class, which I think almost everyone else watched during the pandemic. But the game changer for me, which is no surprise, is Crash Landing on You. I honestly didn't expect to feel the emotions I did watching it. I usually don't cry watching K-dramas, but with this one, I was like a waterfall. Like, I cry during the sad scenes. I cry during the happy scenes. I'm like, what is going on? And I just honestly couldn't stop. And it's funny because at first when I saw Crash Landing, I thought I was like, oh, like a historic drama because I just read the synopsis and didn't know what it was. But Crash Landing honestly is such a great drama. And I would say like Crash Landing on You, like for present day people, is what are getting people into K-dramas now. Like Full House for me was my OG. Crash Landing right now is for a lot of people like the way they're getting into K-dramas. And I will say, I won't say too much on Crash Landing right now for this episode because I do plan on doing a full episode talking about Crash Landing on You because it's just such a great drama. And we can, we have to touch on the whole relationship with Hyunbin and Sonia Jean, which I'm very invested in, but we will talk about in a different episode. But I also want to share a little bit more about where I am now with my relationship with K-dramas and, you know, whatnot. Honestly, with the pandemic, yes, I started watching K-dramas again, which then led to my long-term relationship with it. But during the pandemic, obviously, we saw other people kind of get into other hobbies. And I saw a lot of people get into books and start book clubs. And I remember watching so many K-dramas and having, like, different friends that I would text with my reactions that I was thinking, like, man, I wish there was, like, a collective place where all of us could just, like, Talk about how we feel after watching an episode. Talk about reactions. Talk about just like how we're feeling, like how people do with book clubs. And I was like, man, we need to have a book club for K-dramas or for K-drama lovers. And I randomly decided to do a poll on my IG and be like, hey, does anyone want to do like a, be interested in like a K-drama type of club? Because you all know I love K-dramas and I post my reactions on stories without, obviously without building the spoilers. I would get so many DMs being like, oh my gosh, Mel, I felt the same way or like, Okay, the ending, what was that? Like, people were so invested in these shows, but hadn't, were like, couldn't find a place, a collective place to talk about it. So that's how I started my K-drama club on Discord called Soulmates. The name was created by everyone who was part of the club. And it's been kind of like our home to talk about these dramas and share our opinions, which then expanded to other, you know, other things. We have a channel talking about, you know, Chinese and Taiwanese dramas. There's a channel for, you know, Korean culture, Korean food. K-pop definitely is there. We have a channel that's also called Spill the Tea where we talk about the latest gossip in, you know, Korean entertainment. But yeah, it just it's funny how this, like, I guess relationship with K-dramas turned into this, like, drama club where I get to talk about my, I don't say obsession, but my fondness about K-dramas with other people. And I've met other people around the world that also has felt the same emotions, felt the same things when watching K-dramas. So it's been really cool to see that space kind of come to fruition and still evolve. I do want to end this episode with talking about my current favorite drama because I do think, obviously, your relation with K-dramas never end. And it's one drama that I feel like has just put a smile on my face. So if you're all looking for, like, a mood lifter or something happy and easy to watch, I would highly recommend everyone to watch Yumi Cell. 
It's currently um, wrapped up their second season. There's two seasons, and you can watch it on Vicky. And to give a quick synopsis, it's pretty much based on this webtoon, and I kind of describe it as a combination of like a romance, comedy, reality type of genre with the Disney movie Inside Out. It follows this like typical office worker. Her name is Yumi, but it flips back and forth with her reality and her thoughts inside her head which are animated characters representing different parts of her mind and body. Like there's a sense cell, there's a love cell, there is a sense, like a sensitivity cell, and all these things help her determine how she reacts and her behavior. So I thought it's really interesting. The soundtrack, again, is probably one of my favorites as well. It's very easy, acoustic. So if you guys are looking for a feel-good, I definitely recommend Yumi Cell. And with that, I do want to say thank you so much for joining me on my first episode of K-Dreaming. Please let me know if you enjoyed this episode and share with me what K-dramas got you into K-dramas. Whether you've been watching since 2004, just like me, or you just stumbled upon them last month, let me know in ABG's recent IG post for this episode. Yeah, I just, I'm very curious to hear what show kind of converted you or like really got you into this, like this world, this fantastical world of K-dramas. So please let me know. Here at ABG, we're all about trying new things, and these mini-shows are a part of that next chapter of our content. If you're enjoying these type of episodes from us, please let us know. Make sure to follow us on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, and everywhere else you get your podcasts. Thank you again so much for joining me on my first episode. Until next time, bye!